Good evening, everyone. How are you? Hey, good news. I got a haircut from the last time I preached. And I had my wife check it before I came up here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we had a demonic curl the last time I preached. I had to rebuke it. I went through some deliverance, some sozo, and then I, I'm back. So the, the distracting curl is, see, that, but that was just a test. That was just a test. And the Lord humbled me, but he was testing you. I'm just kidding. No. So it's good to be with you tonight. I'm so excited to talk about the helmet of salvation. I have just been like a kid in a Holy Ghost candy store these last couple of days. The good news that is ours called the gospel, it's called good news. And as I've been meditating on salvation and what it means for us to be redeemed, for us to be justified, for us to be sanctified and set apart for his purposes and for us to await a great day of salvation when he returns, I felt my mind renewed. Amen? When our mind gets renewed in the scriptures, it transforms us on the inside, Paul says. We experience the joy of the age to come. We experience the joy that was purchased for us. We experience peace and love. And as I've just been thinking and meditating on this, I've just felt the life of God on the inside. So I'm just going to pray before I, we start talking about the helmet of salvation. Let's just ask for God to open our ears. Amen? Not to man's words, but to what he wants to communicate tonight. Amen? Lord, we just come before you and we ask you for what you spoke to the churches in Revelation. You said, he who has ears to hear. Let him hear. So we ask you for those ears to hear right now. Lord, we know this is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is a work of you. So Holy Spirit, we say open up our ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. I pray that you would use me. I pray that you would help me. I also pray that I would get out of the way and you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the helmet of salvation, we come to this. I kind of went a little out of order. It goes helmet of salvation, then sword of the spirit. But we went sword of the spirit and helmet of salvation. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all armor. It's coming on at one time, right? So, but the helmet of salvation, it's protecting the command center of the soldier. Without the helmet... Or without your head protected, if you get a head wound in a fight, really no other armor is going to help you, is it? Because you can't function. You can't operate. And Paul says, put on the helmet of salvation so that the command center of the soldier, the command center of the believer is protected. That you can think clearly in the battle. That you can fight the good fight of faith. But I think it's interesting that Paul says it's a helmet of salvation. We are supposed to be thinking about salvation. We are supposed to be meditating on the good work that Jesus did on the cross when he purchased us. 
We are supposed to be thinking about the salvation that we are walking in right now. That we are sons and daughters. That we have been made holy. That we have been redeemed. And the authority given to us because of that salvation. And we're supposed to be thinking of the day that is to come. When Jesus will split the, God, will split the sky. And he will make all wrong things right under his leadership of this earth. That's going to be a good day, my friends. And so, when I was studying and meditating on this, I was looking at the three tenses that, that the New Testament uses for salvation. The past tense, the present tense, and the future tense. Because it uses all of them. The Bible says we have been saved. The Bible says we are being saved. And the Bible says we will be saved. And you say, which one is it? It's all of them. And it's glorious because it's all of them. They each have their place in our meditation of what Jesus has done for us. Guys, this is the story that began in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve fell. What was God's response? There's coming a day where I'm sending the seed. He's going to crush the head of the one who did this. And then he speaks it to Abraham. Abraham, that seed, it's coming through your line. Guess what? Every nation of the earth is going to be blessed. We see that in Revelation 7. There's coming a day where every nation is going to stand before the throne of God. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every language. I would confess this as I worked at a missions organization and we would pray for nations like Somalia, nations like Iran, nations where the gospel hasn't penetrated and taken root. And say, oh, you don't know what I know. The gospel is going to overwhelm this nation. And there's going to be believers from every tribe and every tongue standing before him. He comes to David. Says to David, David, it's through you. And this savior that's coming, he's going to be a king. And he's going to rule the earth. And then every prophet after David talks about this Messiah that is coming, this king this servant, this savior. Oh, and then we see Jesus. I mean, this is the story. This is the golden thread. This is what the Bible communicates in every book. Not every verse, but in every book. This is the main theme. And we get to talk about it tonight. Amen? This is glorious. You're like, well, what's so glorious? You haven't told us anything. But, okay, so we'll get into it. But the New Testament speaks of these three kind of, I don't want to say stages, but these three elements of salvation. That we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So let's talk about have been saved. Let's put up 2 Timothy 1, 8-9. It says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But Timothy, share in suffering for the good news by the power of God. And God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. So Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy here, God saved us. It's past tense. Now most of the time, when the past tense is used in the New Testament, it's speaking of the sin that we have been freed from, that has been removed, that has been washed from us. How many are glad that we have been washed from our sins? Let's go to this next scripture, 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I mean, there's so many scriptures, it was hard to pick. But, and Paul is speaking to this washing. He's speaking to this sanctification and to this justification. And it's interesting that he's speaking to the Corinthians. Because the Corinthians were pretty immoral people. In the ancient world, if you had a real problem with sexual immorality, the nickname they would give you is, oh, you're acting like a Corinthian. Because Corinthians were known for just rampant sexual promiscuity because it was mixed with religion. There was a temple, a temple of Apollos and a temple of Aphrodite. And to worship these gods, they would mingle with prostitutes in both temples. And we don't have to go into that in detail. But it was, it was mingled with this, this twisted view that it was, it was worship to a deity. And they were in bondage. And Paul is reminding them of when they put their hope, their faith, their love, and their obedience in Jesus Christ, that they've been washed free. Guys, if Corinth, if a great revival happened in Corinth, a great revival can happen in Bangkok, a great revival can happen in New York, a great revival can happen in L.A., a great revival can happen in any major city that has this principality ruling over it. Paul says this to the Corinthians, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. <laughs> He's saying, remember what you walked out of. Remember the freedom you're experiencing. And he's calling them back to it. He says, you were washed. When you put your faith in Christ. How many of you are thankful for the washing? We're washed. Ephesians says, Philippians says, Corinthians says, there's so many places where Paul says, you're holy right now because of what Jesus did for you. You're blameless as you stand before the throne of God in prayer. You were washed. He says this, you were sanctified. Which means you were you were set apart for the purposes of God. You are now his workmanship, Ephesians tells us, or his masterpiece. I think I talked about that the last time. And you are set apart for these good works that he wants to partner with you to do. He wants you to be transformed from the inside out. He wants you to feel the love he has for you and for others. And you can give that love to others. We're sanctified. We're set apart. And he says, and you were justified. Now you have a legal right to come in to the presence of God. It was illegal before that. But your trespasses had been washed away. And you're accepted before that throne of all the universe. And now that throne of judgment that it was before for us has become a throne of grace as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. So Paul says, you were washed, past tense. You were sanctified, past tense. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Everyone say, amen. amen. Ephesians 1.7, I don't have it on the screen, but it says, in him 
We have redemption. In Jesus, we have redemption. The forgiveness of our sins through his blood. We have this release, this effective payment, this ransom that freed us from the bondage of sin. And we're, and we're cleansed and we're pure before him. Guys, we need to remind ourselves of this when we stumble and we fall. Because sometimes the guilt of stepping back into something causes us to run from him who has washed us. We need to come right back in and say, no, 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 that's not me. That's the old me. I am washed. I am sanctified. And I am justified before his throne. We don't need to wallow in returning to our sin for weeks at a time. We need to get clean right then and confess this again. Amen? And that brings us kind of to our next point. The New Testament says that we are being saved. So we were saved. We saw that in 2 Timothy. We saw that in 1 Corinthians. We were saved. And now we are being saved. There is a sense in which the Lord is walking us through salvation in the present. And when I look at these scriptures, this mostly has to do with spiritual maturity and with perseverance. Spiritual maturity and perseverance. Us growing in living lives where we commune with the Holy Spirit as we are justified before that throne of grace. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 18. It says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16, says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. This is actually the beginning of the chapter that Pastor Mike brought to us, the beginning of the, not the chapter, but the beginning of the thought, as Paul's forming his thought. He says, but thanks be to God who in Christ is always leading us to triumphal possession. And later on he's going to say, we are ever renewing in the glory of God. And that as we behold him, we're becoming like him. It's a wonderful thing. It says this, and through us the fragrance of the knowledge of him, and spreads through us the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. There it is again, this present tense. And among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to another a fragrance from life to life. So that just shows you the tense, you know, the, the, the present tense of the idea of salvation. But let's go to Philippians 2, 12 through 13. When I think of... We are being saved. I think we're in a continual process right now. We're in that continual renewing process and growing in maturity with the Lord. And Paul speaks to the Philippians in chapter 2, and he says this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is beautiful. So he tells them to work out their own salvation. But then he says, for it is God who's working in you or who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, I know we hear the word work and we get scared. Like we're like, oh, no, 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 it's not about works. Let's read another translation. 
It says, work hard or persevere to show the result or the benefits of your salvation. Persevere and show the world the benefits of your salvation. Let them experience the light that you're experiencing on the inside. Let them experience the joy that you're experiencing on the inside. Let them smell that fragrance of Jesus that's all around you as you're communing with him. It says, persevere to show the results or the benefits of your salvation. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Guys, we have the Holy Spirit working in us. And his primary desire is that we look and act and think and love and obey like Jesus. And we get to partner with the Holy Spirit. What a privilege. What a joy. So as we remember our, we were saved, we were sanctified, we were justified, in being saved and in growing in the knowledge and in growing in maturity of that, we put to practice the belief that we are justified before his throne, so we pray. We put to practice the belief that we are sanctified for his purposes, so we ask him, what are those purposes? What do you have for me today? How can I obey you today? It goes on. For God is working in you. I love this giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Isn't that wonderful? We have the Holy Spirit working in us, both to will, to have God's desires on the inside of us. That's what that means. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Not because, not out of duty, because we've entered into this love relationship, and it's an inner desire that we want to please God, and we want to hear from him, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to hear from him as Jesus heard from him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you know God is well pleased with you because you are in his son? That that statement he spoke over Jesus Christ, that statement he spoke over his son is true about you? Take some time and say, Lord, let me feel the pleasure you have over me. Lord, reveal to me in the word the pleasure you have in my life. Lord, encounter me and let me feel the love that you have when you look at me. How many of you have small children, like two and three years old? How many of you have those children in here? Now, I, I think we feel pleasure all over, over all of our children. But there is something about the two and the three-year-old, just when they walk into the room and they waddle and they smile. No parent in the world, well, I mean, some might, but the average parent, the average, even the average evil parent, the kid comes in and it's just an instant like, oh, that is just precious. That's the cutest thing in the world. My daughter Harvest right now is in this five-year-old stage and I come home and she's like, daddy, and I'm like, I love you. Like, I don't have to conjure it up. It's like, oh, come here, give me a hug. Now, if we being evil can feel that way toward our children, what do you think the Lord feels as he sees his son in you and you're washed in his son's blood that he sent for you? He's not angry. He's happy. He feels pleasure over your life. 
I was just asking the Lord today in prayer. I was like, Lord, just let me feel what you feel toward me as you're working inside me both to will and to do for your good pleasure. So there's this partnering with the Lord. There's this partnership with God taking place in us as we grow in maturity. And we have to persevere in this. This is what Paul is calling the New Testament church to. God is working in us as we partner with his spirit and continue to grow and experience the full benefits of our salvation during this life. Ephesians 4, I mean, Ephesians is where this is, you know, all coming from. We're in Ephesians 6. And it's amazing. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, five times, Paul tells the church of Ephesus, he says, to walk worthy of the Lord that you're serving. To actually continue in serving him. Continue in repentance. Continue in asking for revelation. It says four or five things. I just wrote down four. There's a fifth one, and I didn't write it down. But you can go do your homework later. It says we're not to walk in darkness, but we are supposed to live in understanding of who God is. In the light of revelation. That's Ephesians 4, 17. In 5.2 it says we're not to walk in selfishness, but we're to walk in love and laying down our own ambitions for the joy and the care of others, just like Jesus did for us. Ephesians 5.8, it says we're not to walk in darkness again, but we are supposed to try to discern, to have a spirit of discernment in our life in what pleases God. How many of you want a spirit of discernment in what pleases God? Amen? And then we are supposed to walk not as unwise, this is 5.15, but as wise redeeming the time for the days are evil. We're supposed to actually use our time in redeeming ways and ask for wisdom and how to do that. So we were saved, justified, washed, sanctified. We're being saved. We're growing in maturity. We're asking for more revelation. We're trying to walk in a greater communion with the Holy Spirit. And then we get to, and we shall be saved. Oh, guys, uh, I thought I almost fell down there. I saw myself rolling down the stairs. <laughs> we shall be saved. Now, when the New Testament speaks of this, it speaks of Jesus' return to rule and reign. And the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. That composer, you know, they wrote that out of Revelation chapter 11. At that seventh trumpet, Paul says, when the Lord is going to return. And you see the blowing of the seventh trumpet in Revelation chapter 11. And the saints in heaven start singing that song. Guys, that's the day that's awaiting us. When Jesus will rule and reign this earth. Let's put up Hebrews 9, 24 through 28. It says this. Verse 24, for Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands. The writer of Hebrews is comparing the heavenly temple where Christ is right now to the earthly tabernacle that Moses set up. So Christ didn't enter a holy place made with hands like Moses, which are the copies of the true things. Moses' tabernacle was a copy of the true things that were above. But he entered into heaven itself. And he now appears in the presence of God on our behalf. Hallelujah. 
So where there were continual sacrifices and we had to cover our sin and, oh, I sinned again, I got to get a lamb. Oh, I sinned again, I got to get a dove. Oh, I sinned again, I got to get something, not a pig. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was Bible humor there. It's okay. Um, Jesus appeared in heaven and his perfect sacrifice remains continually before the Father. And we're accepted before the Father because of this. So he appears in heaven on our behalf. Think of Revelation 4, the throne room. Think of the new Jerusalem. Verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. There's that past tense salvation. We have been saved. He came to bear the sins of of many, he will appear a second time. Everyone say hallelujah. Not to deal with sin. He, can't, he appeared the first time to deal with sin. He's coming back again to save those who are what? Eagerly waiting for him. Guys, I want the Holy Spirit to stir in this church, in the church of Castle Rock, in the church of Colorado, in the church of America, in the church of the earth, this phrase, those who are eagerly waiting for him. This word eagerly, it just messed me up today. I was asking this, Lord, I want to eagerly wait for you. I want to know about what is coming. I want to know of the living hope that is ours as believers in your return. I want to know it. I want to live with living revelation of that day. Because when you know what's going to be given to you when Jesus returns and he gives you your inheritance, I believe it causes us to live differently. I believe it causes us to take the authority that is ours in Jesus Christ. I believe it causes us to walk in the light of that day now. That's all healing is now. We're just calling forth the perfect healing of that day. Lord, give us a little taste now of what's going to be ours forever. With a resurrected body that will never die. 1 Corinthians 15. Imperishable, immortal, imperishable, immortal. I'm sure that comforted Paul in his persecutions. Oh, the resurrected body. We might get there. Okay. So, he's going to come and save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This word eagerly means to wait, caring greatly about that which is coming. That's what it means in the Greek. To wait, caring greatly about what you are waiting for. I want to challenge us. If we're not caring greatly about the day of his return, ask the Holy Spirit to stir that in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that in the scriptures to you. Let's move on. In him... Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. Oh, this messed me up today, guys. I, I'll get into it. I mean, oh, okay, here we go. In him we have obtained an inheritance. The in him is Jesus, okay? In him we've obtained an inheritance. We've been grafted in. We've been adopted. We had no family. Now we have a royal family that has an inheritance. I mean, it's Disney on steroids, Okay. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that, ye, so that 
we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Here's the deal. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, there's that hearing of the word of truth, that putting our faith in Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And this promised Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, that's a future inheritance. But the Holy Spirit has given, been given to us now as a guarantee that that day is coming. As a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Lord has an inheritance for you. I mean, I was just meditating on this. The Lord has a place for you. Jesus said, I went to prepare a place for you. That throne room of God that we see in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 where elders are standing on the sea of glass and they're ministering to the Lord and they're full of glory and they're experiencing the seven fires of the Holy Spirit and they're experiencing the light of Jesus and heavenly worship. That place has been prepared for you. Read a description of the new Jerusalem. It's un. Believable. That heavenly city is coming down, and it's been prepared for you. You are actually going to reign with Christ for a thousand years on the earth, says Revelation 20. And it shouts with an exclamation point from the scriptures, blessed and holy are those who get to participate in the thousand-year reign. And guess who that is? Everyone who names the name of Jesus now. You're going to have jobs. You're going to have assignments. You're going to have a resurrected body. And it is going to be glorious. And you're going to get to commune with Jesus and talk with Moses and talk with David. And the psalmist said, and one generation will share of the glory of God in their generation to the next generation. What's it going to be like to hear about the children of Israel? And to hear from them. It was, it was unbelievable, the pillar of fire. And then Solomon, no, 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 it was unbelievable. The smoke, the glory, the filling. No, 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 the apostles. No, it was unbelievable. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit filling us for the first time. Beat that. The church at his return. It's waiting for him eagerly. Oh, guys, we got you all beat. We saw him split the sky. And we were caught up into glory. And our resurrected body that we all have right now, we were the first one to experience that. Because those who see him. No, no, the dead rise first, and those who no, see him rise, and then the dead rise. I forget what it is, but anyway. It's going to be great. And we're going to get to tell of the glory of God forever and ever in a city that's been prepared for us. And there will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. And God himself, it says this in the scriptures, will wipe away tears from our eyes. And he will deal away with them forever. And death will be swallowed up victory. That's what we get to look forward to. That is a good salvation that is coming. Now, why would we want to dabble with darkness now when that's our inheritance? Why would we want to run back to the pigs when the Father has looked at us and we've returned to him and we have the fatted calf and we have the party and we have the robe and we have the ring on our finger? Why would we return? Guys, it is important for us to take our helmet of salvation and put the little effort. It takes a little bit of effort to put on a helmet, just a tad. 
But it's very important in a fight, don't you think? Let's not let apathy and laziness in revelation in the word get in the way of putting on the helmet of salvation and meditating on these things. Guys, you can find this in every book of the Bible. I mean, it's so prevalent in the prophets. And what, anyway, but it says this. I'm gonna, I started with it. I'm going to end with it. Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, <laughs> to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So we need to do that being saved. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Partner with him as he's putting his desires in you for what he's asking you to do. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And don't be conformed to the world, but take time and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Guys, as we take time and meditate and pray about these things, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the hope of your salvation. One, that you were saved, washed from your sins. Two, that you get to partner with him right now in glorious renewal. And three, that a glorious day of resurrection is coming. Amen? So I have three things for you to do tonight as we go out to our tables. I want you to spend time. I actually want us to spend some time in prayer together tonight around our tables. Can we do that? Is that okay? We get to, we're going to, I love discussion, I love, but there's something that happens when the believers pray together. There's an intimacy of heart that happens. I have dear friends that I've prayed together for years, and there is such a bond in the spirit when we come to the head as the body, and we're all looking to the head, and we're asking him, we're thanking him, and we're looking to him. So I have a little bit more prayer tonight at the tables than I have discussion. Is that okay? First, spend time thanking God together of how your sins have been forgiven. Just go around the table and just shut your eyes. Everyone take like 10 seconds and just, thank you, Lord, that you washed me from my sins. Thank you that I am no longer a sinner in your eyes, but I'm a friend, I'm a son, I'm a child. And any scriptures that come to mind when you're praying, because the Holy Spirit loves to give scriptures when you pray, share them with one another. Oh, I just thought of this verse. Open up your Bible and share it with one another, okay? Two, pray for one another in the issue of walking worthy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you guys, I was saying that, and hindrances come up in your mind. Ask for prayer. Take a little bit of time, table leaders, and just, hey, we're going to break up in two or three, and we're just going to pray for different issues that are hindering us from walking worthy of the Lord. I mean, we all need to pray this prayer. Lord, give us grace. Give us help. Amen? And then third, if you have time for it, spend time coming up with ideas of how you can practically set the hope of your future salvation before you. In a practical way. I said practically both times in that sentence. Sorry about that. Think of scripture memorization. I'm going to memorize one verse a week about something Mark has talked about tonight. <laughs> about the millennial kingdom or about the new heavens and the new earth or about 
being in his presence before his throne where we're promised in Revelation 4 and 5 and 7 or about, or get a book. Now, the greatest, the best book I think you could start with on this issue of our future glory is probably Randy Alcorn's book called Heaven. It is a wonderful piece of literature where he takes great theological thinkers and just presents it in such a readable, easy way to understand. And you will your mind will be blown if you've never meditated on this stuff. You'll just be like, why didn't anyone share this with me? Okay? So do that tonight, and can I just, you want to dismiss? There you go. Love you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Why don't we all stand as we get ready to go into our groups? And you would have three things, because I have three things to share, too. (laughs) One, I'm going to do a shameless plug, but how many of you enjoyed the table time every week, being able to get to know other people and really fellowship? Part of that was to show you what a life group looks like. You've, you've been unknowingly working and participating in a life group the last four or five weeks. And so I just, I want to plug this Sunday, if you don't have a life group and you want to get to know other people, there's a barbecue after service this Sunday where you get to meet some of the hosts in different life groups that we have, ways that you can get plugged in. So there's a shameless plug for life groups. Um, But it's so worth it for when we come back to what we talk about, uh, the shield of faith, you know, and having that shield of the the people that come around us. Two, I want to remind you next week, Pastor JR is going to be talking about praying in the spiritual on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests as we wrap up the Armor of God series. And then the third thing is in two weeks from tonight, I mean, hearing you talk about salvation, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go find some more people that got to be here when Todd White is here in two weeks. So I just want to remind you, two weeks. So let's go out to the tables and uh, talk about the things that uh, Marcus just challenged us with. God bless you guys. Love you all.